Hi, I'm Michael London, and welcome to Spidcast, the future of collaborative video production, brought to you by Indie Source Magazine, where they believe free is better, and I like the way they think. Hey, it's Ladies' Day on Spidcast. On this episode, we're talking with entertainment reporter and host Kristen Burt. And also, Kai will be here. She's an actress and filmmaker with a very cool web series in production. And she has some other stories to tell as well. Spidcast. What do you say? Let's jump right in. First up is Kristen Burt. Kristen, welcome to Spidcast. Thanks for having me. Kristen, if you would, give us a little Reader's Digest version. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, I'm an entertainment reporter and a host here in Los Angeles. And I I work uh, on the red carpet. I do a lot of press junkets. Um, But my favorite thing to do is sort of demystifying Hollywood and what goes on behind the red carpet. Because Hollywood's a bunch of smoke and mirrors, and we really shouldn't buy into all of it. And I think that's the real main thing that I love to sort of get in there and tell people the real secrets behind Hollywood. So that being said, tell us one great secret. One good secret? Yes. <laughs> you know, I think my favorite thing, and this is for women out there, you really shouldn't buy into how everyone looks um, and think I should look like that because people have a team of people to make them look like that. Um, it's, you know, a stylist and a manicurist and a facialist and there's lots of Botox going on. Um, you know, there's the trainer there's, you know, everything like that. But if you see something in terms of, like, in a magazine, everything is, you know, airbrushed and photoshopped. So I think sometimes we set ourselves up for these unrealistic images. But I'm like, understand when I'm on the red carpet and I see people in person, it's the greatest equalizer out there. You see who has bad skin. You see who's wearing the Spanx. <laughs> you know they're, they're just like us. There's, a, there's one or two that are, like, freaks of nature that are, like, gorgeous and don't need a thing, but most people are, are human, and, and that's what everyone needs to understand. So, Kristen, you got to know the women everywhere are saying, I love her, because they do tend to hold themselves at times uh, to uh, way too high of a standard. So, so what was your path uh, to what you're doing right now? I definitely took a non-traditional path, and I, I think now if I was just graduating from college, I couldn't do this path just because the way media has changed so much. But um, I was... on. Uh, scholarship at NYU for dance. (laughs) So my goal was to be on Broadway, and that sort of changed. Um, After I graduated, I was dancing professionally in New York, but I got hired to host a children's dance video, which was how to Hokey Pokey and Electric Slide and do the YMCA, and it did extremely well. Um, So I started getting hired for host jobs, and it was one of those things where I was having a lot of fun but I also was making more money in one day than I would on a two-week equity contract (laughs) doing a show. And I thought, hmm, there must be something to this. So I did both for a little while, but I also realized I needed some on-camera training because I was pretty um, enthusiastic but very raw. And I I got to a point where I just thought, okay, something's going to have to give. Because a dance career, you have to give 110% at all times because of the physicality of it. And my agent um, in New York was like, you know, you are great. I think that you can make a, a go of his host career, but you're going to need to go west. He's like, because in New York, they want edgy, urban, and ethnic, and you're none of those. 
So he's like, go west, my friend, and see what happens. And that's exactly what I did. And then tell us a little bit about being part of this new wave of content delivery, that being um, the Internet. Yeah, it's really fun because what I like the most is that I can put the content out there and you get immediate reaction from people, whether they like it, whether they don't, um, whether they hated your questions, which I do get sometimes. (laughs) Um, but, But that's the great thing because of things like Twitter and YouTube and Facebook and my site. It's great because I can interact with people. They can ask questions about their favorite celebrity. Um, where on television, you know, you sometimes have to wait for it to air or, you know, it only runs once and if someone missed it and they didn't DVR it, that's the end of it. With web, it lives out there forever. So it's amazing to me that sometimes interviews I've done two or three years ago, which are still out there on YouTube, um, people will get back to me and ask questions um, or, or provide feedback. And I think that has been the most incredible thing and I love being able to interact with people because you see what people like and you see what people don't like and that can also affect your coverage because you sit there and think well people aren't looking for information on this celebrity but they're really interested in this movie or this character or this person so it really um, can dictate what you're covering as a journalist. And Kristen a moment ago you said that uh, someone just jumping into this business right now probably couldn't follow the same path you did. What advice would you have for those newbies just jumping in? I think now you definitely need a broadcast journalism degree, and that means not only being able to work on camera, but it means also being able to write, produce, and edit your own segments. And with that whole YouTube generation, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for a journalist that's really well-rounded, that can do all jobs, and that really has a point of view. I mean, you need to have kind of a brand. Like, who are you as a journalist? What do you like to cover? You can't just cover, I'll cover a little entertainment, a little bit of politics, a little bit of international news. You need to focus on something, go for it, um, and really get out there and create a name for yourself. And and that includes doing internships. That includes being out there on social media and starting to build that social media young. You know, start building it out there when you're 18 years old so that by the time you graduate... You can say, oh, I have 5,000 followers on Twitter. Oh, I have, you know, 1,000 people that follow me on my Facebook fan page or, or Instagram or whatever it is because this is the wave of the future and this is where the direction that media is going. So let me ask you about Jesse Ventura then. Is he crazy or is he just so smart that he seems crazy? <laughs> he is so smart that he seems like he's crazy. That was probably one of the most, wonderful experiences I've ever had and also probably the most dramatic experience I've ever had in that, um, you know, Jesse Ventura, there's only one opinion and that's his. Um, And so my job as a newsreader on his show was to, um, if he said black, I would say white. Like I was there to debate with him and irritate him a little bit. But at the same time, it was a great opportunity to just listen because he had so many fantastic stories. He was a former Navy SEAL. I grew up in a generation where he was a wrestler with a pink feather boa around his neck. And, um, you know, and then he was governor. And at this point, when I worked with him, he was he was a former governor, but he was, you know, teaching at Harvard and everything else. And, you know, there's a lot to learn there. He didn't ask much about me in the time I worked with him, but I absorbed a lot of knowledge. Um, and I thought it was a really fun place just to um, grasp some ideas about politics and about life that I wouldn't have necessarily thought because he's really an outside-the-box thinker. I'm going to ask you some questions about you now. So you have so many irons in the fire. Uh, tell us where we can see everything, Kristen. My, my main hub where everyone can find all of my work, and that's probably the easiest place to go, 
is redcarpetcloset.tv. And there I sit there and put all of my jobs and all of the media that I do on that site. But um, this summer I've been working a lot because it's big summer movie season with iVillage.com. And that is NBC Universal's property. I do the press junkets here on the West Coast. Um, so I just recently uh, interviewed the cast of Magic Mike, including Channing Tatum and also Matthew McConaughey. So it's just kind of fun to get out there um, and interview the big celebrities and see what else is going on. Um, and, of course, I also um, host the after show for So You Think You Can Dance. And this is on AfterBuzzTV.com. It's a new site that was started by Maria Menounos, who is an entertainment journalist on Extra. And we discuss what happened on the show. We bring in former contestants and do interviews with them. And it's a really fun format because people can call in. We do it live and debate, like, what happened during that episode. So that's been a really fun show. Those are the two projects I've been working on mainly this summer. Um, in addition to some other jobs, like I do some live streaming for Hyundai. I'm going over to Germany um, with Pfizer. They have me host a game show in Europe once a year. So there's some fun things that are coming up this summer, but the two main projects are iVillage and AfterBuzz TV. So it's summertime 2017. What do we find Kristen doing? 2017. Well, I'd love to be doing a little bit more producing um, by then and really continue on this path of covering the red carpet, but not in just the glamorous way, but for people to understand that, you know, Hollywood's great and it's so much fun and I love living here, but at the same time, don't buy into it. You know, it has its own truth and its own reality. So I would really love to get sort of that type of show up and running and, uh, and really get people to understand, like, this is the real Hollywood. Take away, like, the curtain from Oz and there you go. <laughs> Excellent. Kristen Burt, thank you so much for joining us today on Spidcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Spidcast, brought to you by Indie Source Magazine. It's the fastest growing independent filmmaker resource and the only free publication of its kind. And their mission is to bring you not only stories of the industry's highly celebrated, but also stories and insights from players in all areas of the media creation process. At IndieSource Magazine, they believe free is better. Visit them at www.indiesourcemag.com. And we continue our Ladies' Day edition of Spidcast. Joining us now is actress and filmmaker Kai. Kai, welcome to Spidcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And give us a little uh, quick version of who you are, where you came from. Who is Kai? Okay, so um, let's see. Where should I start from? Well, you know, I learned from uh, The Wizard of Oz that it's always a good uh, thing to do to start at the beginning. <laughs> Yes, you're right. So I will start at the beginning. I am originally from Toronto, Canada. Um, I grew up in a household with a mom who was a nurse and a dad who was a doctor. So it was a very kind of analytical type family. And I guess after planning to become a doctor like my dad throughout high school, I realized this isn't really working for me. And I kind of had to accept the fact that I was the black sheep of the family and was really more artistically inclined and so kind of changed my focus and um, started taking dance lessons and, like, just fell in love with being a dancer. 
And then I learned about an audition for a performing arts academy in New York City called the American Musical and Dramatic Academy. They, they travel to different cities to audition people to accept new students into their school. And um, I decided I was going to audition for the school. At the same time, I had also applied to go to university in British Columbia, uh, Simon Fraser University, and basically kind of do a, a major in business administration, a minor in dance. Um, and then I, I got this opportunity to audition for the school, and so I went, and um, I sang a song, uh, My Favorite Things from The Sound of Music, and I was horrific, absolutely horrific, but for whatever reason, they um, accepted me, and then I was kind of put into this dilemma of, do I go to New York and um, pursue this dream I have of becoming a dancer, or do I go to you know, do the more responsible thing and go to university and get a degree and, and all that. And um, my dad was leaning much more towards going to university, of course. Um, I think my mom was too, but for whatever reason, she said, you know what, you should go to New York because if you don't, you'll always wonder what if. And that's one of the greatest gifts I think my mom gave me, um, just to kind of go for your dreams because you don't want to be down the road 10, 15, 20 years and, and, you know, regretting the choices that you made. So even though my dad was a little reluctant, he uh, supported me going to New York to study uh, at, at AMDA, which is the short for American Musical and Dramatic Academy, and, and paid for my schooling, which I appreciate because it's never easy when you're a doctor and you have these visions for your your daughter to, you know, follow in your footsteps, and all of a sudden she's now going to be a dancer. So kudos to him for that. And um, basically, I, when I got to New York, I just, I fell in love. I loved the city. I loved what I was doing. I, I felt, always felt like I was playing a bit of catch-up because I came into the performing world late. You know, a lot of the people at the school had been singing and dancing since they were two. And here I was, you know, um, 18 and just kind of getting into it. So I was always, always struggled a bit, but just kind of persevered. And So then, as the story continues, tell us about some of your successes along the way. After my first year there, there I started auditioning, got an agent, got a manager, did a lot of commercials, and um, really just kind of settled into this life as a performer. Um, pretty early on, though, I realized being a dancer was not probably going to be the way to go. It's being a dancer is kind of like being an athlete. It's not something you can do into your 40s and 50s. So I switched my focus to, to acting. And um, after about five years in New York, I um, came out to Los Angeles. I had a really great agent. I lucked out. Uh, my manager hooked me up with a really great agent and um, came out to L.A. and started auditioning for film and television as well as commercials. So, Kai, after you got to L.A., how long did it take you to, uh, quote, unquote here, uh, know that you'd made it? About two years into being in Los Angeles, I got on a television show um, for Fox as a series regular called Medicine Ball. It was um, basically Grey's Anatomy, like 10, 15 years earlier. And um, we shot in Seattle, and uh, was, we were on the air for nine episodes before we got canceled. Unfortunately, I was just so young and naive at the time that, you know, I hated being out of L.A. I really wanted to get back to L.A., so I was kind of not really the most disappointed that the show got canceled. 
Um, but in hindsight, you know, I don't know, I guess I thought, oh, you know, I'll just book another TV show. But uh, that's not exactly the way the entertainment business works. So I kind of got hit with a, a reality like, no, uh, you know, TV shows do not come along every day for all actors in this business, and for some never. Um, but one of the main things that happened for me when I was on the TV show was a realization that even though I kind of realized my, my goal and my dream of becoming a series regular on a, on a, on a network television show, I, I discovered that I really needed more of an outlet for my uh, creative voice and that I wanted to have more of a say in the overall creativity and shaping of uh, a project. And so when the show got canceled and we came back to Los Angeles, I um, went back to school. I went to Los Angeles City College and started studying filmmaking and um, basically making my own short films. And I don't know, that was a huge turning point for me. It was a a big transition, and I really think I came into my my calling in terms of directing um, when I I did that and just started doing films, uh, short films. I shot a short film called Lock Her Room, which is L-O-C-K-H-E-R-R-O-O-M, kind of a play on words. And it was uh, based on a short story that I found in this anthology of short, uh, short stories in the library. And I uh, had my agent contact the, the author of the story, and we negotiated for me to get the rights to shoot the film. And um, that was really, I think actually that was my second short film I shot. And it did really well. It ended up um, airing on Showtime. And um, just really made it clear for me that although I liked the acting, the, the filmmaking was really where I felt my heart was and where um, I got the most joy and satisfaction. And that's kind of the journey I've been on. I still act. I still act in commercials to pay the bills. I don't do um, as much film and television anymore because most of my time and effort is focused on making films. And, and now I, um, I focus on my project, Chick, which is a web series I created um, it's very much a passion project and something that um, I have big dreams for. Well, you opened the door, Kai, so tell us a little bit more about Chick. Okay, so Chick basically came out of a really jacked-up relationship I was in. I was in this horrific relationship for three years. Um, I would say it was extremely emotionally abusive, and I, I don't know. I was just in a place where I really wasn't aware of how... Um, little self-esteem I had and you know this relationship was really reflecting that back to me so um, after the three years of being in this relationship I finally got out after um, a really kind of low point in this relationship and um, I spent about a year after I got out of the relationship going what the hell that guy was like the biggest dick in life (laughs) and after about a year of like blaming him for whatever reason, I turned the focus on myself, and I just had this epiphany where I was like, okay, yeah, he's an asshole. That's all, you know, we, we, we all agree on that, but what about me in this relationship? Like, what is it about you that allowed you to stay in something that was so bad for three years? And I just started going on this really um, introspective journey to kind of look at myself and work on myself, and in that process, I started to learn more about us as human beings, and I became really fascinated with human potential and our, our, our 
our abilities and how we really tap into such a small part of what we're capable of as humans. And that's where um, Chick came in. You know, at first it was a feature film called Gorilla Girls, and it was completely therapeutic. It was, a, it was about a bunch of girls who went around beating up guys. And I was just totally working out my anger towards, you know, my ex-boyfriend and, and, and thankfully taking it out on a piece of paper instead of in real life. And then um, I, as I continued to develop the feature film, I really got drawn to one character and this idea of her being in this horrific relationship but really wanting to have more of a sense of herself. And the way that she was doing this was she wanted to become a superhero because in her mind being a superhero meant that, you know, you were a centered, together um, person who had an impact on the world and made a difference. And so that's kind of how um, Chick came to be. And um, even though on the surface, you know, it focuses around this girl who wants to be a superhero and is going out in search of this secret academy where regular people can train to become superheroes, you know, underneath it, it's really about a search for self and, and, a, and a quest to figure out who we are in the whole big picture of this crazy world we live in. So, Kai, through that horrid relationship, you indeed found that silver lining, but it did take you three years to escape it. What would you say to someone in that really bad relationship right now? You know, I was lucky enough to have a girlfriend who had been in a a horrible relationship and um, was there for me when I was going through mine. And if I, you know, I actually do come across women often. I get emails or messages from women who are going through that. And the first thing um, that I do is is kind of shower them with love and self-acceptance and telling them that they're okay. Because what tends to happen and what a lot of people don't realize is <clears throat> when you're in one of those relationships, you really have... A, a, a partner who is beating you down and making you feel like nothing and like you're worthless. And so what isn't helpful, but what people naturally tend towards because they're trying to help and get that person out of it is they're like, what are you thinking? Why are you in this? But that actually just exacerbates the problem. So for me, when I come across women that are struggling and in a situation like that, my first thing is to big them up, build them up and tell them that they're great, that they're worthy, that it's okay. And like my girlfriend did for me, which was the best thing she could have ever done, she said, you will get out of it when you're ready. And it was, it, it was a strange way to kind of share an acceptance of me and who I was and where I was at instead of judging my choices, which were obviously not that great at the time. So um, that's what I try to do, and, and I actually try to share that with a lot of people because prior to me being in that horrible, abusive relationship, I did the same thing. I'd be like, what the hell is up with that girl? Why the hell doesn't she just get out of the relationship? And um, it is just not that simple. So my, my biggest piece of advice for anybody who has someone in their life who's in a, in a, in a relationship that's um, unhealthy is to shower them with love and be the force in their life that helps them see that they're special and amazing, and that will give them the strength to get out of the relationship. Kai, thank you so much for that insight into the personal side of you, which, as you mentioned earlier, is why we now have the web series Chick. Where can we see that? Um, right now, uh, we've shot a first season, which aired probably like a year and a half ago. We shot 20 episodes, and it's on our website, which is whoischick.com. It's also on YouTube and an online network called Rowdy Orbit, as well as on Blip TV. 
when we shot the the series, I had this idea to um, kind of create a um, alternate reality game along with the show, which in hindsight was just trying to do way too much for um, this type of production and our, with our limited uh, resources. And so we shot like six or seven of the episodes fully produced, like with a full crew of about 40 with high-end cameras and all the lovely gadgets and stuff. And then the middle part of the, the season was going to be tied into this alternate reality game where you actually help the main character um, find this person that was going to lead her to this secret academy where she could train to become a superhero. And so those were um, oftentimes they were just me out there shooting myself shooting an episode of her on her journey. She lives in her car as she, like, she, she leaves her crazy boyfriend and, and decides she's just going to go out in search of this academy and to find this person that can help her get there. And um, those are much more um, guerrilla-style shooting, but um, were a lot of fun. And actually, a lot of people tend to say they, they like those better. I guess they're, they're kind of a little more intimate um, in terms of your connection with, with the main character. But that's basically the gist of how we shot the first season, and um, we're currently working on our, our scripts for season two right now. Now, Chick, the character, of course, helps people and has people that uh, helps her along the way, as I'm sure you have. Talk a bit about how collaboration has helped you. For me, <laughs> I mean, you can't do anything to me in film, for the most part, without collaboration. It's... Um, I just don't know how you do it. It's 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 such a collaborative medium that, um, and I and even if you did try to do it yourself, like I will say um, again, be, because of uh, limited resources, a lot of times you end up doing more jobs than you'd like to do. But I've always found that a project is benefited more when you have people you're collaborating with and they're giving their input into the overall vision of how this is going to be. Um, and that was definitely the case for me. I had a really great DP, Sandra Valde Hansen, who um, has uh, shot another web series with me that was, you know, amazing. And uh, my production designer, Kimberly Huey, um, just added so much to the production in terms of her vision for what everything was going to look like. And as we move into season two, I'm even more committed to collaboration because I really feel the first season suffered simply because I was doing too many things. And so um, I'm just a huge advocate for, yeah, for working with different people and, and having their voices be a, part of, be a part of the project and the process. And I actually went to an amazing summit this weekend called the World Domination Summit, which, yes, that title is exactly what it was. It was awesome. But, you know, it's uh, one of the speakers at the summit spoke about solo acts, and, and his take was solo acts never win. And he was actually doing a talk that had a superhero theme to it, which I thought was interesting and fun for me. He said solo acts never win, and he also said it's really important to find a super team to help you take on the universe. And he was like, you know, Batman has a team, and I think that really applies to filmmaking, too. It's like, you know, find your super team. And if you think about it, people, even people like Clint Eastwood, they have people that he has people that he works with every film over and over again. And there's a reason for that. That, that sense of teamwork and collaboration is really, I think, what makes films special and magic. And, Kai, just before we send listeners out to check out all things Kai at your websites, tell us, tell us about where we've seen you, both commercially and uh, theatrically. Um, 
Let's see. I think the things people recognize me for most in terms of film and television, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air sometimes. I had a guest starring role on one of those episodes. Um, Monk, probably not so much. Monk was funny in that I was actually a part of um, a program at CBS, a diversity, directing diversity workshop program, and I was shadowing the director for Monk. So that's why I was on the set of Monk, and then they, he just was like, why don't you like take a little role? So I actually had to audition while I was shadowing him for the, the couple of weeks that he was there um, directing this episode, and I uh, ended up getting this small little role playing the secretary of, I think, the mayor of some town or whatever. But um, So I don't know if people would really recognize me from that, but I think the, big, the biggest thing people recognize me from is, is the film Heat. Um, that Michael Mann directed and that starred Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. And um, I had a role playing a hooker, which I hated. But, you know, probably because I was so evil the whole time I was auditioning for that project is maybe the reason why I got the role, because it played into the attitude of the hooker. But um, a lot of people tend to recognize me most from that. And, um, I mean, that was just an amazing experience for me in general. I would have paid to be on that film and sitting at that reading with those amazing actors so um, I think that's where I'm most recognized. And then I, I do commercials now. Right now I have a Poise commercial running that is Kirstie Alley is the spokesperson for, so I'm doing a fun little spot with her that's kind of funny and um, a couple other commercials that haven't started running yet. Yeah, I think that's it as far as the acting goes. And now, where can we see everything Kai? The most active site for me is whoischick.com. We have the web series that lives there. I also have a blog on that site called Just Add Cape. And basically what that is, it's an exploration of how someone can be a superhero in real life. You know, I have Chick the web series, but it's actually just a piece of a bigger project, a bigger vision for what I'm trying to do. And my goal is to really blur the lines between the a fictional world that we create in the Chick web series and the real world. And, you know, we're re- really trying to redefine what it means to be a superhero and take it out of the context of the superheroes we see in those blockbuster summer movies that everybody goes to watch and, and um, redefine the superhero as someone that you can be in your real life and develop superpowers like your intuition. And um, I really believe that when we develop those gifts that we've been given just inherently, that we can not only improve our own personal lives, but as a whole, we can make the world a better place. And so the goal on whoischick.com is to have people be entertained and watch the web series. And if that's all you want to do, then you can do that. But if you want to dig deeper and explore how maybe these ideas could be implemented in your own life, then you can hop on over to the blog and um, read about ways to explore your yourself and your self-exploration, so to speak, and... Um, kind of tie the two together. Kai, thanks so much for allowing us to explore your career and projects with you today, and thanks for being on Spidcast. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. And thank you for listening to Spidcast. We appreciate your time and attention. You can now join the conversation at spidvid.com or on our Spidvid blog. And you can join our collaborative filmmaking community at spidvid.com. So, tune in next month for another entertaining and informative episode of Spidcast. Spidcast. Spidcast.